Welcome to Big Blend Radio's art show featuring Victoria Chick, a contemporary figurative artist and early 19th and 20th century print collector. Hey, everybody. Super excited today to talk about burial sites. Um, that's <laughs> something you wouldn't think about for art, right? Um, but Victoria is back here today to talk about American burial markers. So like our tombstones, um, our epitaphs, if you will, like if you've been to um, Tombstone, Arizona, there's the epitaph newspaper that's been going for years and um, Boot Hill Cemetery. And you go in there and you want to see where Wyatt Earp, um, you know, and the Clintons and all of that, uh, where they are buried. But um, we're going to go way back when to colonial times in America and kind of look at the art and what artists were using, or I should say, um, stone workers. Uh, so welcome back, Victoria. How are you? Oh, thank you, Lisa. I'm glad to be talking to you again today. And especially this topic is really interesting. And I, I hope your listeners will find it interesting. Uh, oh, yeah. for those, for those of us, for those of us who, who do go into cemeteries, not to see anybody know that we, we know is buried there, but just because they're so interesting. Um, this topic, I think is, um, well, I found it, I found it, um, Interesting from from a historical standpoint and from an artistic standpoint, um, and from a um, the standpoint of actually making making tombstones and how how that was done, um, mm. and some of the burial practices were pretty interesting too. Um, you mentioned colonial stuff, and uh, of course. In that we're talking about the 1600s, which is uh, quite a long time ago now. And uh, when they put the colonists, which you had to remind there, me of when I was getting all my <laughs> photos together for this, you had to be like Lisa. No, the colonial period is not in you know 1700s. Just reminding you. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know what? When, when we think about old times, sometimes it, the time gets compressed in our minds, and we rem- we remember certain little things from from history classes we had in high school, and. Um, it just it's just a sort of all a blur but but colonial colonial times were the 1600s and people first arrived here like the puritans and the plymouth rock and and all that uh in the early 1600s and people they had a very hard winter so a lot of people died that first year and um burial was uh difficult i mean you you're talking about stony ground and you're talking about frozen ground so a lot of times those those people that died were were buried very shallowly with maybe just a a, a rock over their their grave that um, would would have their initials scratched in it if that or if they if the ground was totally frozen they might just have to let the body you know protect the body as best they could and then they'll bury it six months later when the ground thawed out so life was difficult. <laughs> And wow. um, and so was burial. Um, by the by, the middle of the 1600s, things had improved. Though um, there were uh, stone workers by that time that uh, had had Im- immigrated to the United States from Europe. So they had skills, um, and they were very good skills. But but they were limited in those skills by the kind of material that was that was available wherever they landed, you know, wherever the town was or the area was that they landed. So um, slate was the biggest material, the, the most prevalent material that was used for grave markers at that time. And uh, one of the reasons that they used it was because it it it, it was naturally occurring in in plains, flat plains, so they could they could dig it down a little bit. Um, and lift a section of it up, and so these sections um, maybe were like two or three inches thick, and they mm. and they were they were easily scratched on, and they they were easily kind of chiseled out to to make um, uh, the dates of the and the and the name of the person who mm. had died. So I, I find um, this so fascinating about how much work goes into it. And yeah. just even the craft of, you know, being a magazine person, born and bred, right, into this industry. <laughs> yeah. And my, my family heritage is, you know, my I think my great-grandfather, yeah, great-grandfather was a typesetter. 
in a newspaper. Ah, okay. Um, in, in, in England and, and, yes. and then came to the States. And, you know, at that point, we're look, we're looking at those big plates and everything. And then, um, I know this all, by the way, this topic all came from talking about Victoria's, uh, recent article on engraving, the art and history of engraving. So then we're like, well, what about right. tombstones now? Okay. Now we're in. <laughs> yeah. So then now rabbit hole begins. But, um, what I find very fascinating having, you know, gone through the world of printing magazines and even what we do now, even as podcasting, there's the world of editing, right? Which takes a huge amount of time, but right. you, I've written an obituary before, which was for a very prolific person, prolific in that he led a prolific, uh, a big life, not in that he was a naughty boy, but, um, yeah. well, maybe. but anyway, well, a little bit. Anyway, I had to write this huge thing and it was like, if I left things out and no matter what, what I could have done, someone's going to get mad. But in obituaries, it's a very interesting thing. And then you have to have this shortened version of someone's life. And then it kind of reminds me of running a magazine when during printing times where you could only have so many pages and same thing right. as newspapers, right? Where you had to get down to the headlines and here's your stuff. And you didn't have time to, you know, Blah, 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 like I'm doing right now. I'm blah, blah, blah. But I, I'm saying you can't blah, blah, blah on a tombstone. You have to get down to no. it. And, the, okay, so then you're actually chiseling. And if you screw up your chisel work, you have to start again. That sucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's hard. <laughs> well, so, that's never happened to me, but I can imagine that it would be pretty disgusting if I was if I was a stonemason that was working on this. So, yeah, yeah. you have to you have to be careful. And um, because those, and choosing those, the those words stones, are for those, yeah, those stones were were hard to come by, and you, it's not like you just grab another piece of paper. So, uh, so they they yeah. were they had to be they had to be very careful. I've never seen any anything that how many how many times they made mistakes and uh, had to start over, but probably it wasn't very many. <laughs> um, I would be a little nervous, and then whatever you said. Of course, the dates, right? Who the person is. So we see that in, in all of this. But um, the artwork to me in the 1600s, the colonial times, yes. I've got it now. It's the 1600s for sure. But the artwork yep. to me is very Celtic with the swirlies. I don't know how to explain the swirlies. There's a picture in Victoria's article. Everyone, the link to the articles in the show notes and also up on Blend Radio and TV.com right on the homepage if you're listening at the third um, week third Saturday of November it's there uh the fourth week too um but well you you know what that's interesting what you're saying about about the swirlies <laughs> because a lot a lot of these people came from uh England a number of people came from Ireland and by that time the the burial in or the the grave markers in those countries were influenced greatly by Celtic uh art so you they did those kind of intricate um, interlacing uh, designs on the on the tombstones, and you see you see some of that in a smaller version usually at, at first because because their their stones weren't quite as big in the 1600s, but as they were in England. Uh, but they, the other thing that they would do is they would often have what the, what we would call it a death's head, D E A T H S. <laughs> Head, which would be sometimes uh, a very uh, crude skull or a very uh, simplified face, and usually on either side of this skull or this face, there would be a, a stylized version of of a pair of wings, like an angel. Okay, and that was a real common uh, symbol on tombstones early um sometimes they they look they don't look like they don't look religious you know um like we sometimes think of angels as looking religious but these these were these were more severe i think they were meant to remind us that life is short and um but there but but with the with the wings that was also an indication that there that they believed in a life afterwards so uh, so it was more. So I think it was perceived then as positive, hmm. but also like we're, um, we're fly, our body is flown up, 
like so it's not necessarily angel wings but you're right. you've taken flight you know right. I, I remember a, a friend saying in in everyone i mean it's hard i mean religion plays a, a role in everything in regards to people dying right spirituality right. or lack of that right um yeah. yeah but i remember a friend said um a, a, a friend had died and he said god came and put his hand on so-and-so's shoulder yeah and, and took yeah. him home kind of thing and so i feel like there's always this feeling of flight and like a spirit leaving the body like the body is a shell and i find yeah. it really fascinating that we're putting this body in a box which is another shell in the in the yeah. you know then later we we have this cremation part and there's all these different ways to die and green burials, which are interesting. But um, right. it's, it's it's kind of interesting when you know, okay, well, we don't know. I mean, whatever. I don't want to get in that. I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> I'm going to get all these emails. Right. But I think there's, no. but it is a sign of the times. Like we always talk about this with art and, and how it's, it's so connected yeah. to history and what is happening at that time and those belief systems. So when you're saying it's kind of well, like, know, there's this beautiful swirly, but it, the, the wings are kind of crude in a way, like, like you're yeah. saying, it's not like angelic. With the yeah. Marble. If you, if you, if you know, we you know, like you say, there's different practices and different beliefs. And I mean, when we, if we talk about Egyptian burial, for instance, which is a lot known about that. And, uh, and we, we, it's not, it's not threatening our beliefs right now for the most part because mm-hmm. it's historic. I mean, it's way, it's pretty, not prehistorical, it's historical, but, um, yeah, it's, yeah. It's removed. It's, it's, it's a different country. It's a different culture completely. We are studying it and it's interesting. When we talk about America, we're getting a little closer to home. Even in the 1600s, we're closer and, and we're, you know, the, the a lot of people came came to the United States for religious reasons. Um, right. So 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 their history is 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 bound up in their burial. Hmm. So Ooh. so I so yeah. so I think nobody nobody should you know people we look at we look at burials. Some of the markers that that are there uh, are just practical markers. Some are express their religious beliefs. And then, or not, or some express no religious belief. So, uh, but but they could all they can all be interesting to us. I think um, mm. I go I go through cemeteries. Well, speaking of cemeteries, because back here, back back in the time we're talking about, there were no cemeteries. And oh, well, cemeteries you were in, in Silver City. New Mexico? No, 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 no. I mean, what, not what here. Mean? Back in the 1600s. Oh, okay, okay. And so, the, oh, and yeah, it, yeah. So they were. That's right. There weren't cemeteries so the, then. The, Those were church things, yeah, right? At then, the cemeteries did not exist. So if you if you didn't live near a church that you were maybe a member of, uh, you You're had to look some, some someplace <laughs> to bury the body. I mean, and of course there were plenty of plenty of vacant ground. And if you were in a town, you'd all you do is find a vacant lot, and you'd you'd bury your your person. Um, <laughs> you might, I mean, I'm it sorry, wasn't like throwing out now. it wasn't it, it wasn't like throwing out trash, you know. But but um, but the, the areas that were bur- that people buried were were close, <laughs> and and many times they weren't maintained; they were just vacant areas. Um, sometimes oh. grave robbers came along. So the 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 body would be uh, dug up, robbed of any kind of valuable stuff that might have been buried with them, and they, they were they, these kind of areas became really unsanitary because about the only other re- regular place that people would bury people was a churchyard, and we we we've all probably all seen examples of that. But then then a churchyard usually had a wall around it, and they ran out of space. So, so it became a pro- it became a problem as the population got larger, and somebody came up with a bright idea of going outside of town um, and having a, yeah. a nice place. So they they would plat off a certain amount of acreage, and they would put streets in it, and they would start. They sold lots, and uh, 
people that seemed to be a really well, um, a good plan. And one of the things they would do, they'd plant trees, they would make it very park-like, which was a great thing, because this, is, this would be by the um, middle of the 18th century. They didn't have parks yet. Towns did mm. not have park, parks. And um, so people would go out to the cemetery area and they had to have a picnic <laughs> and they would visit their family, you know, their, their ancestors, tombstones, you know, that they, they, it was a very pleasant, you know, activity um, that but they, that they partake. I, yeah. I, I love that because, you know, the cemeteries, like the ones we've been to is mostly 17, 1800s, mostly, right? Um, yeah. The historic right. cemeteries that Nancy and I have been to. And as, as many of you know, uh, listeners, we travel the country full time documenting parks and public lands and now grave, graveyards and cemeteries are becoming that because they are peaceful places. They are protected places. They're historical, a lot of his, you know, so much history and also underfunded. And so I just always have to put whenever we talk about cemeteries, I'm just like, hello, people, master gardeners are going in there for free and uh, doing upkeep where they can. Um there is so much to keeping an actual tombstone clean and still present without defacing it. Um, right. Historians freak out when family history buffs go in there and do rubbings on them, you know, to get <laughs> the image of the tombstone. But it's true. But there, I mean, both, I agree with both sides. So I'm not going to get in that fight because like, <laughs> get what you can, right? But um, these places do actually need funding and support and help. And when you right. go, you'll find out about people you never even knew existed that had these amazing life stories. And if you're like me and Nancy and, and many friends of ours in Victoria, you'll go down rabbit <laughs> holes. Um, but the art is there. Um, the sayings can be really funny. Some can be really sad. You can see mass graves, too, across this country, um, children's deaths um, with little crosses, Bibles kind of I think they're Bibles if they're a book, right? Um, yes. As a tomb. Yeah. Um, yep. So a lot of that um, statues, and we'll talk about all that with Victoria, but I understand also there's something beautiful about a family going to a graveyard as a, like, as a park and a picnic. Yeah. And you've also got to think like around that time, we were also going to hangings and having picnics too. But before then, and right. during that time frame. So we're a little weird. Yeah. But the graveyards, you've got to also think, you know, when cars were invented and how if these grave sites were uh, far away from your house, this was a family outing and it takes time. <laughs> and maybe they're like going, hey, we're talking to Uncle Joe and he really would like this piece of fried chicken. I don't know if they were frying chicken then, but like, you know, <laughs> he would like this bread pudding. Um, so here's yep. your bread pudding. We're eating it <clears throat> for you. Um I don't know, but you, Wait, but there's something there is something of a family outing honoring those who have passed on that I think is quite one, beautiful personally. One one thing about yeah, I agree. One thing about cemeteries, I think, and and that and that going to visit gravestones and leaving flowers and stuff and talking about who who's gone before you and what they were like by the people who remember them and passing that on to younger younger people who never met them and. It it binds the family together. I think a lot of this stopped, or or the, the when probably in the 1950s, um, when people started working for for companies that would transfer them somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So the 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 community the, a community that had a big extended family in it became more rare. And because people and families started getting better jobs elsewhere, and they and families got scattered all over the, all over the country, um, and still and that's still happening. So you you kind of lose something um, of a commu- communal, I guess, or, or familiar familial or <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, uh, activity. Or feeling, um, and, then, and then that's kind of sad. But that that's just the way things happened, and that's the way lives changed. Hmm. So, um, and that's but, why so, families but, are but, spread out everywhere across the country and around the world. And is about their and careers. I think, yeah, yeah. But you know, one of the things that that seems to have 
uh, fill that gap is the interest that people have in their ancestors. And so they start doing uh, ancestral uh, research, and, and that's a very popular activity now, too. So that might uh, be a re- kind of a reaction to the, the loss of actually visiting a cemetery. Mm-hmm. Well, there's Find a Grave uh, website that is really helpful. Um, yes. Go check that out. But it, I think back then that's how family history, you know, family unit, commu- you know, especially farm families. And sometimes they were buried on their farm, you know. Um, yes, there's right. parks that we've gone to um, in the country where graveyards are part of them. National forests where graveyards are part of them. There's um, family graveyards. Like, you, I don't know, we end up there right. and they were like, oh, you better not open that gate. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> Child, yeah. you know, going to go trot on their hallowed ground. That's wrong. Um, and I right. feel weird even, well, you know, I've taken a gazillion photos of graveyards that we've been through that are historical graveyards that you're allowed to go in. But there's like this also these private graveyards that you end up stumbling, like literally, on travels of back roads, country roads. And you go, farms, and some of them end up in historic places, like protected historic sites and things. But there's a privacy, like you don't even want to photograph them. And then I'm like, you should, because you're protecting it in some way. Because most graveyards, I mean, like I was saying about the funding, are overgrown and you're getting to this, we're getting to this point where we actually can't read these sites anymore. Yeah. These tombstones, these pieces of art, because some of them have sculptures. Some of them have faces on that you, they start to wear with the weather. And right. I feel very passionate that we should look at this as art. Really. Well, it is. When, when I, when I was in my teenage years, I lived in, in Liberty, Missouri, and there were a lot of a lot of old um, homes there that were constructed way be- you know before the Civil War and, or, and a little bit after the Civil War, and they were they were our farmsteads and and almost everyone had a little a little patch that was had a little tiny a little fence around it a little wrought iron fence and there were fam- fa- their family was buried there. Uh, the, the, the house next to this, of course, there still were family members there, and I, I, I sometimes wonder, you know, if that, if that family, if if part of that family was still occupying the house and taking care of the land and taking care of the cemetery, but sometimes that you know families break up, they die out. Um, the wow, the the house the house the house gets sold to a stranger if it's not already historical. And uh, maybe or maybe not, the new owners will will care for the cemetery. But um, there's probably a lot of places like that. Yeah, there there are. I know that living in the Midwest, that you know, like you know Jesse James. There's you know yeah. all these gangs, right. right? And so and and Silver City is known for Jesse James living there, and we've been to his grave. And not, no, not it, it is no. I've got uh, Billy the Kid. Sorry. Jesse James. Kid, Jesse, yep. James, Jesse James is up in <laughs> the Midwest. Oh, we don't Carney, know where we are when. Yeah, yeah. And we went there. Carney. Yep, yep, we went there. <laughs> and um, they have good murals in that town, by the way. And um, yeah, it's just interesting because some of them were um, buried on what's now people's backyards, pieces of land, yeah. if they have like yeah. acreage. And there's, you know, it's it's fascinating that, you know, they either take a, you know, oh, you know what, I'm going to take care of this person's um, land uh, or their site, their resting place or not, you know. And, you know, so there'll be kind of not this artistic thing, whereas you go into graveyards like we've like Easton, Pennsylvania, a lot of the photos um, that you'll see in, in Victoria's article, Easton, Pennsylvania, very historic, including uh, George Taylor was a signer of the Declaration um, of Independence. Um, and, you know, we've got America's bandstand leader. We've got, you know, there's so many historic people. You can go to uh, Asheville, North Carolina, the historic Monfort District, over 600 Victorian homes. Um, yeah. And Thomas Wolfe, the author, and O'Henry, the author, are buried there. So you start getting into this little crazy land of 
a lot of people will go like, oh, I love this person. I want to go see Jim Morrison's grave in France or um, Edgar Allan Poe's grave. You know, I want to go see that. But I say, wherever you go, go to the historic cemetery and just let it happen. Like, go look and read the tombstone. Look at the art on it. Find out who's behind it. And look, because some people, I think, like Little Rock Cemetery, the cemetery that we were there, um, Mount Holly Cemetery, and some of the photos are in there. Everyone was buried just where they had the land. Like, you're the next body. You're going in next to the next person. It didn't yeah. matter if you were a slave or you were a politician or a prostitute. That Politicians and prostitutes usually get buried next to each other. Ha, ha, ha. Sorry. <laughs> had to say that. I know we've talked about that before, Victoria, but I had to bring it up. But it's true. Um, the dentist will be, you know, next to the lawyer or not. Or, you know, the you know, so it was kind of an interesting thing. And that's kind of the cemetery's kind of history and legacy is that everyone was buried wherever. Whereas some cemeteries yeah. you go in, like this is this rich family, they own the town. Um, there was a cemetery, Rapids Parish in um, in... Louisiana, um, central Louisiana near Alexandria, and um, the founder of the town of Boyce has his own section of the graveyard. Like his, this yeah. is my, this is mine. It's my family. I have my picket fence. No, it's not white, but it's you know wrought iron. And then <laughs> down the hill, you'll find a Revolutionary War soldier and a hero that's buried there. Like that's crazy yeah. to me. Like, I mean. <sighs> How did yeah. the Revolutionary War, but then there was huge wars that were fought in Bayou-Rapides, you know, Civil well, War. History. Yeah, the, it, that's interesting that the Revolutionary soldier, would, because there's quite a bit of time that's, that's between mm-hmm. between those events, but um, but it's not, not necessarily unusual for um, Civil War, no. uh, like a monument for a Civil War soldier or a monument... Um, not maybe not even in a in a uh, cemetery, but just out in public in a park, say, or or at the courthouse. Um, when when the Civil War occurred, but both both North and South, I mean, there was so there was such the division was so great that the feelings were raw for a long time. So when people were buried, they usually didn't have a a sculpture. Uh, as part of a tombstone, and that did that that kind of monument didn't occur until about fifty years after the Civil War, and and they would then honor the honor a particular person with a sculpture, um, which I always thought, I thought was interesting, but it was understandable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, it's, um, it's, when... and by that time of by that time, of course, the the ability to to make bronze sculpture had had come about in the United States and that was because of the industrial revolution at the end of the eight, um, 1800s. So they got, they, they went from, oh, you know, just finding, finding a type of big, a type of rock that was locally available to being able to expand the kind of materials they used. Hmm. Well, what about, when did the marble come in? Cause anything that's white, right. Well, is kind of the marble. Yeah. Cause some people have actual, well, in Louisiana, you'll find a lot of raised coffins. Well, not coffins, mm-hmm. actual yes. tombs, yes. right? Because well, especially, of the flooding. Especially, yeah, well, especially in New Orleans, you see people buried above the ground in crypts because of, because the water table is too high to really bury anybody. But kind of um, <laughs> yeah, it is. It is freaky. Uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> especially when you when you see it for the first time, it is. It's a. Uh, it's very different. Uh, but then I guess a lot of things are different if we don't get around. So, yeah, yeah. So. You just kind of go, hello. I talk to everybody as I go through. I always do. And that's the weirdest thing about trying to get photos. And if you're searching for a specific grave, like a historic person or animal, because yeah. some like that horse I was telling you about before um, the recording um, that had been in the Civil War has his own grave. And um, he was known as Sam, and he was in the Civil War in six battles and made it through. And it was in Coldwater, Michigan. And we still have not found this. But I'm trying to scramble around and get this for horse stories, because we do that as we travel, too. And lo and behold, can't. But 
apparently it's pretty, you know, prominent, but they didn't have, again, like these are like some of our parks that need the funding. Um, yeah. So I'm trying to get the story, but I'm scrambling around the graveyard. And I'm like, God, I hope I'm not walking on you. Like, I'm sorry. Like, as I'm walking through, like in between graves, I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, and, <laughs> and I'm thinking, what are you thinking? They're dead. They don't feel you walking on you. Like, but it's, <laughs> it's weird. And then you get to someone who's raised up and you're like, like what, you know, you're going to you ready to float. Like, it's kind of a weird, <laughs> and uh, it's a weird thing going through these cemeteries, but it does kind of connect you about what the life force of life is. I, I, yeah. I think it's very important, but yeah, go, go back up to the, the, um, the marble, because I find that like, that's going to be heavy. These people have actual okay, well, above ground I, tombs that are marble. Yeah. Like when, when floating. you, when, <laughs> well, marble, a marble quarry or a marble area was discovered in Vermont. And that's where most of the, the white colored marble comes from in the United States. Still, um, the, um, they thought white marble was the, was the, the right thing to use for tombstones. Although there were, did I say, yeah, marble. Then there's granite. Granite has, tends to be more multicolored, uh, various shades of gray, sometimes uh, rusty color in there. Uh, it, it, both of these stones were hard stones, whereas uh, sandstone and slate uh, uh, and stuff were soft. So, so to, in order to quarry the hard stone, uh, they really needed better tools, and those came about through the through the industrial revolution. So that's why you start seeing that more in cemeteries that are uh, in the 1800s or late late 1800s and the and the 1900s. So, yeah. um, but the other thing is, this was I always thought was interesting was in art history. Uh, Archaeology, they did not really, uh, archaeology was not a field of study until the middle of the um, 1800s. Mm. So, so when, when they were, when, and this was a time of when people started traveling a lot too. Just, mm. they would, they would decide to go to exotic places. So they might go to Greece or they might go to, to Rome or they might go to uh, Egypt, any of these countries that were, um, that they considered exotic and and um, and valuable because because they were old, really. And so so when they when they would see these things, all the all the statuary that was Greek statuary, um, some Roman statuary, um, certainly uh, Egyptian, all of that had been colored. It had been painted. Well, no matter what the what the rock material was, it was painted. So, but by the time archaeologists came along, all that paint had worn away. Mm-hmm. So they so they said that people got the impression that they were always white, and mm. so and that and that that was correct. So you wouldn't want to put paint on anything. So so what you start to see is a lot of gravestones, statuary, and sculptures that's white marble, or sometimes it was even uh, cast metal that they would paint white. Mm. I've seen different colors too. I've seen other rock, like pink. Yeah, I've seen metal. I don't know. Maybe it's bronze. I've seen now in South Africa, Ishlawanda rock which was a huge uh, battle with Shaka Zulu and the Brits, and he kicked our butts, rightly so, at that time of history. Um, I mean, it, the the battle of Ishlawanda Rock was a huge, it's just, it's amazing. And Shaka Zulu uh-huh. to me is like this amazing warrior and got me into understanding battle strategy, and I still don't understand it, but like what he did was, he just really circled the British and kicked their butts. And he, he set up his warriors to run on thorns, run on hot coals, not Tony Robbins stuff. I mean, real stuff. Um, no <laughs> offense to Tony Robbins, but like they were doing it for their life. And so they could run barefoot, whereas the British are in their boots going, oh, I'm going through the African boss belt and didn't quite <laughs> understand the, the land, right? Whereas they did. Right. 
They knew the thorn trees. They knew this, and they could run on thorns. That's why he made them run barefoot. And so they he hmm. did what was called, he went and did, it's kind of like the buffalo. So if you look at a buffalo head with the horns, right, he kind of yeah. did what was a buffalo and surrounded what was called a crawl in the Dutch terms, which is like yeah. everybody would say crawl. And he would, yeah, yeah, we say crawl. Dutch's crawl in America, corral, and he would circle him and just boom, you're out. Well, anyway, um, <laughs> a lot of people died, Zulu and also uh, in British. And if you go to Isla Wanda Rock, um, as a kid, this is my memory as a kid. So, like, I could be wrong on some of the historical stuff, but um, this is what got me into history, this moment. Like, it, uh-huh. it changed my life, this place. And yeah, it was seeing the mass graves. And Think about this. Before this, I'd been through England as a kid and gone and seen where people were executed, the execution things where they put their head and their hands in and chopped their, their guillotines, seen all of that stuff. And it freaked me out as a little kid. But this really did, for some reason, where all these stones and they whitewashed them and to let people know not to. That was all they had were stones mm-hmm. and whitewash that people could afford back then. To, I mean, we're, God, don't, I can't tell you the years, um, but that's what they had. And so okay. that's how you knew when you went to see this pile of stones with whitewash, they did a lot right. of whitewashing on buildings uh, back then over there. Um, mm-hmm. But this was a way to recognize you, this is not just a pile of stones. It's yeah. Like and you don't disturb it. Yeah. You don't disturb it. And it really got me because each stone is to represent a body. And then I'm uh, like, holy crap, man. This is a lot of people died in this battle. And when you realize how brutal it was, and it was stabbing and cannons from the British, but actually the Africans going in to stab, like, you've got to think about how bloody this battle was. It's like Gettysburg right. has that same feeling to me that just blows my mind, like, in my mm-hmm. soul. Like, I had to sit down. Like, Nancy and I had to, like, go away and, like, calm down. It was so overwhelming and emotional about how bloody these battles are and how, when you think about how war was then, it's not like, oh, laser point and zap and, and kill. This was intimate combat. And right. so those graves just, and just to have these little stones, like, and maybe they missed one or somebody threw a rock someday and that was that. Like, you don't know really <laughs> how many people yeah. you were standing on. Right. You know? Right. So right. Rwanda is the same thing. They just put, all these bodies in, in one big pit and covered up and put stones on top and said, there you go. The Rwanda genocide. That's what, that's yep. that like mass grave. Yeah. That's it. No fancy rock art for you. That's it. I mean, maybe they did it now, but back then the wars were, I mean, when you go to Gettysburg, you do see a lot of marble. You see these amazing sculptures, whether you like the person or not, these, this is art to be holden. I mean, the artists right. to do this because this is something that has to last eternity, pretty much, when you think about what you're doing in a gravesite. The, I think the artists, the people writing the, the work, the, the writing on there, what is said, if they have room to do it, if they have the money to do it, the finances, that's the other huge part, right? Um, that's supposed to last eternity in a way. That's the feeling, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Wow. Well, um, <laughs> well, sorry, um, I, I went off on that <laughs> tangent. I can't, I can't, this is a rabbit hole conversation for me. Sorry. Yeah. Well, that's okay. I'm used to that. So, <laughs> so that's a, that's what makes uh, my, I always look forward to talking to you because I know, I don't know where we're going. <laughs> you we never start. know. But, but if you think about, you know, here's these pebbles put on top of people, whitewashed versus here's your marble. It's like a yeah. night and day thing, right? But so my thing is like, okay, so there's all these, and it was kind of in the same era, I would say. Um, ah, I've got to think, yeah, it's a similar time frame, at least yeah. within a hundred years. What, you know? When when people when cemeteries started and people people could buy lots, some 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 people bought many lots, and so they would put it like a they would build a mausoleum because their belief was that they had to protect the body. That's sort of like the same attitude that the Egyptians had. 
We want to, we have to protect the body. Other people had a different view that, that you're ashes to ashes, dust to dust, and, uh, you're already gone. You're already, already gone somewhere else by the time your, your body is buried. So, uh, there were all kinds of belief systems going on at the time and still are. And, um, one of the things that happened as a result of the Industrial Revolution, I mean, I think that the Industrial Revolution was mm-hmm. changed so many, so many things. I mean, in, in all areas of life, but in, in as far as burial goes and, and making gravestones, uh, you had better equipment. You could you could cut cut marble slabs bigger. Now you have you have trains. You could transport uh, these the heavier pieces. Um, so you could distribute your distribution uh, increased uh, exponentially, really, as as the trains uh, tracks were were put down. And so, um, anyway, the the people who weren't wealthy then started to be able to have larger, larger gravestones if they wanted them. And so you you start to see more monuments building. That wasn't just headstones, it was monuments uh, for a person or for a family. Sometimes people would buy a plot, you know, many pl- many plots right next to each other So their whole, with the idea that their whole family would eventually be buried there together. Um, and uh, that, mm. was, that was an interesting... Uh, when you go through a cemetery, sometimes you'll see tiny stones really next to big monuments, but it just more or less depends on the era in which the person died. Mm. Um, yeah. And then, and then as in the, in the early ninth, uh, early 20th century, the early 1900s, uh, they started selling monuments through Montgomery Ward and company, the catalog. Oh my God. They the, did that for houses too. Montgomery yeah. had houses. Oh, yeah. Didn't they have kit houses yeah. too? Yes. Didn't they, and they that? had that all. Yeah. And so then, um, uh, they were so old. By that time, photography was, 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 uh, doing very well. And they, they, somebody in France figured out a way to, uh, fuse, um, a photograph. I don't know if they just used the negative or they used the photograph itself, but I, I think there was silver involved. They were some kind of metal. They would, they would fire it onto a, a porcelain plaque and they would put a frame around it and they would put the pat, the picture of the person, the photograph of a person on the tombstone, which, um, is really interesting when you've, if you've never seen those before, uh, and they would, they advertised them. I thought it was, they, their, uh, copy for their advertising said that they they called them eternal portraits and that they gave the resting place of the dead a living personality which i they sounds very poetic <laughs> um yeah. but i thought it was for the first time i thought it was it was startling uh because some of them some of them were lasted pretty well and some of them did not so sometimes the the image of the persons they wanted to last really <laughs> decomposed <laughs> So that was, that's kind of sad, but, um, then, um, hmm. yeah. Yeah. And Sears got into it. Sears, Sears, uh, company got into, into graves too. They, you could, by that time in the 1900s, you could buy really big marble markers, um, up to, you could probably get them like nine or 10 feet high and ordered and you, and they would scribe and it didn't cost a lot to inscribe them with, with uh, the name and so forth, whatever you wanted on there. I think it was two to six cents per letter, probably six cents were bigger letters. But um, And they continued selling cemetery monuments all mm. through 1949. So that was, um, um, I mean, th- t- times change. And and sometimes, sometimes the changes are really good. So, even for people but, like me who, who who are who always resist change, you know. So, so yeah, uh, but you, oh, you know, you don't, you don't at all. You're an artist and and contemporary, <laughs> you know. And you, you, you your art is going. 
man, like you, your mind goes everywhere. And it's like, it's amazing to me what you produce. I mean it like in a, in a good way. It, it, it's like, wow, I would never have thought of this, you know, but you do. And, well, um, no, that and you are contemporary for sure. And you do go with the change. Um, I, I find this whole conversation so fascinating about, you know, what, how we represent those who have passed on and, you know, the religion does come in and if you've done something bad that comes in, you know, you're not going to get a right. great monument if you're, you know, <laughs> I wonder what Charles Manson's grave looks like. If oh, you gosh. Oh, gosh. You know, I, I don't know. Like Jack the Ripper, you know, who knows? Yeah. Um, but, yeah. you know, people want to go see Jack the Ripper's grave, you know, you know yeah. that. Um, I did look up <laughs> the Battle of Ishwanda because I needed to get it straight. And Shaka Zulu is way before, about 50, 60 years before. But it is 1879. So those white mm. rocks are a huge part of it. And I'm going to send you a link. Yeah. Just look it up on uh, Wikipedia. But um, it's fascinating. So he really trained the Zulus. He was the ultimate. Like, yeah. gonna, I mean, the battle, right. those battles were huge. But, you know, I, I wish... I'm sure they have a monument of him now somewhere, Shaka Zulu somewhere. I just didn't know I was going to have this conversation with you when I was a kid. I didn't know. Um, I would have taken no. that photo. Um, I probably do. It's, it's probably in our storage unit in print, like, you know, back at, di you know, now we have digital. Um, there's a lot of graveyards. You're talking about photography and everything, but now it's kind of laser, these very fancy, you know, and right. I get it and it's really cool, but there's something about the old school way that is, even if it can't be kept yeah. up, it's just kind of nice and soulful to me personally. Right. Just, you right. Know, um, but you know, just, you look at, you look at the cemetery now and, and you know, it's, you think, think of it as historically. It's a, it was, it represents an era and, mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's something else has surpassed it now. Uh, and we're, you know, like we're too, too, we're too close to it to appreciate it, maybe. So, but yeah. I, 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 you, you had mentioned um, being careful to, you know, not to tread on graves. It made you made you feel weird. I, I, I was listening to to a program about murders, <laughs> murderers. <laughs> See, uh, I told you, she, her brain goes <laughs> everywhere. She's not. And <laughs> and well, I know we don't have much time, but I, I did want to mention it because it struck me uh when i saw it um there was a a, a a woman who was a murderer and and this would have been in the eight the uh 19th century and uh this is in england and she was she was convicted it was, it was a big show thing she was hanged in public and uh she had a a grave a, a quite a large grave marker and there's nothing in, in like a hundred years have passed, uh, probably before before a hundred years have passed. That grave was no longer be able to be seen because people had wanted souvenirs and they had chipped it to death, mm -hmm. <laughs> so they would have a piece of her gravestone and there's nothing left of it anymore. And I, so that I mean that's interesting because. Uh, People will, I'd say, they seemed kind of ghoulish back then. Uh, that they would, that that would be important to them to have a chip off off the tombstone of somebody who was super notorious. But people are weird. <laughs> no, but and, the, uh, the gravestones. It's interesting because, um, oh Henry, so oh he's yeah. buried in Asheville, and he wrote the the famous piece, "The Gift of the Magi." And, uh -huh. um, he wrote, and I've always pronounced it wrong, but I finally got it, I think. Anyway, so it was about a line, $1.87. So people go to the Riverside Cemetery and leave pennies there for him because uh -huh. of that line. And he wrote yeah. it in Asheville. And when you go around on the Gray Line trolley tour, they take you around and explain the story. It's really cool. It's a beautiful story. Um, and so, what amazed me is that people are putting pennies on Thomas Wolfe's grave. He doesn't care about your pennies. Like that has <laughs> nothing to do with O. Henry, but like people no. are doing it on the wrong grave. And I'm like, this yeah. is some weird stuff. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know? They... So I, I think it's fascinating, but it's, it is. Um, and they're 
graves are so simple, yet there's such huge literary characters in our lives, you know? Right. And so right. I just don't understand. But in the Riverside Cemetery, they do have angels with a cross um, throughout mm-hmm. the cemetery representing uh, Thomas Wolfe's dad, who was in the funeral undertaking business. And he had uh-huh. an, an angel outside his window when his office was open, like it was a light. It was like, a you know, um, we're ready to serve the passing, you know, like a little commercial yeah. kind of thing. So it's, I don't want to be that crass, but it, is, it was kind of, anyway. Um, yeah. So the angels are throughout that cemetery and all, the whole family is there um, all together, which, you know, because people started, like you're saying, buying, you know, the plots and it's it's a whole industry. You know, with right. friends that have passed on, I've started to watch. <clears throat> I'm like, oh, my God, the burial business is truly, a, it, it's an industry. It is not just we care for your loved ones. We're going to bury them and be dignified. There's an industry attached. Sorry, I didn't mean yeah. to go there, but it's true. It's kind of freaky. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is kind of weird, but um, we've come a long way from bar- rolling people up in a piece of carpet and putting them in a dumpster, right? <laughs> yeah. they used to do that. Oh, gosh. Oh, mob God. days, mob days yeah. in Las Vegas. If anybody yes. goes through Las Vegas, that's where you will not find the artwork that we're talking about. Um, no. If you're going to go through the, the desert. But Victoria, always fun. And uh, everyone, again, um, Victoria's article's up on blendradioandtv.com. Just type in American Burials and you'll find it. Um, it's also linked from the show notes, no matter where you're listening, YouTube, Spotify, wherever it is all linked there. And uh, Victoria, I love our conversation so much. Thank you for for letting me go down rabbit holes and getting history <laughs> wrong and then right. I appreciate okay. it. <laughs> oh, it was fun. It was fun. Okay. So, so what I are will... we going to do in December now that we've done gravestones? Like, what are oh, we going to do in December? Oh, oh my. We'll yeah. have to come up with something good. Yeah, we'll we'll come up with something good. <laughs> okay. Take care. Thanks so much. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Big Blend Radio. You can view Victoria Chick's artwork at victoriachick.com. Keep up with us at bigblendradio.com.